Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Welcome back, Savvy Souls. So I spend a fair bit of time with my clients exploring their accomplishments and often even just helping them identify and see them to notice the things that they've been discounting about themselves as not being valuable because they're easy to them. But in fact, those things are hard for other people. So what I've noticed is so many times we'll think, oh, it doesn't count because it's easy to us and we just don't think it matters. Or we say something like anyone could do that. So sometimes there are hidden areas of value in us that we're not even seeing. And I help them notice the things they take for granted that other people don't necessarily share. So an example from my own life is when I took a strength survey, I've probably talked about this before on the podcast, we took the partners, we took this strength survey as international tax lawyers to see what our clients might value in us and what we're naturally good at and see how those things marry up. And my strength survey told me that I had the ability to see beauty. And at first, I didn't think that was relevant. And I guess in some ways, it might not have been that relevant to my job, but it ended up being hugely relevant to my career. But more importantly, I discovered that that was even a thing that other people didn't have. Like I just naturally fall into blissful states when I see you know, a perfectly formed um, pattern on a plant, or I see a rainbow, or I see the way light is reflecting off a tea kettle and that kind of thing. And I just thought everybody was like that and they're not. So we have these hidden strengths that sometimes we don't even see. And also I help them recognize the things that they've learned the knowledge they've acquired, the skills that they've developed in different contexts, insights, creative ideas, people skills that they might not have been paid for, but are so valuable. So, and then we spend some time luxuriating in our recognition of these things and so importantly, celebrating them until we can feel the value of who we are and what we have to offer. And so all of this is part of the creative expansion path, is noticing you know, what we love to do and what lights us up and letting those things be important clues to the path that we take forward. But there's also this other important piece as well and I've really seen this lately in the group where I get coached. I'm in a group of really amazing coaches and we all have a coach who coaches us. And we start really examining thoughts at a higher level. And one thing that we've 
been focusing on and an important piece that I've been working on and building my own concept and the work I'm doing with my clients. And that piece is looking at all the areas that we believe are broken in us. And these are those things. So we've already done that inventory of all the things that are amazing about us that we hadn't noticed. But then there's a part of our brain that says, oh, there's all these things about me that are broken. There are all these hidden pieces that the parts about me that make me feel ashamed or afraid or the things, you know, we think are wrong about us, the things that we're trying to overcome in our relentless pursuit to be fully actualized. Basically, all those things that, things that we think that we need to fix in us. And what is so magical um, for me to have been noticing is that these broken pieces of us, the parts of us that we think are wrong, are exactly those pieces of us that give us greater value. So these, these things that we think are flaws in us can be exactly what we can utilize to help other people, to engage with other people, to relate to other people. So I want to give you a few examples of what I mean. So my coach, her name is Simone Graciel. And one of the things about her, and she talks about this openly, so I'm not talking out of school here, is she has ADHD and she always thought there was something wrong with her inability to stick to a schedule, to have a beautifully worked out calendar with slots in it, all mapped out where she would accomplish specific tasks at specific times. Now, the coaching school where I trained and where we have ongoing education from the life coach school um, teaches us to have a very specific approach to our calendars and it's a highly organized and mapped out process where we learn to be we, we, we set aside time for things that we want to do, social things, family things, etc. But then we set aside hours where we're going to accomplish particular things and then we accomplish them within the time set. And Simone kept trying to fit within that kind of calendar and it just didn't work. With her ADHD brain, she's highly creative and she's spontaneous and she struggled. She felt like there was something wrong with her for not being able to do this until she decided that her ADHD brain and everything that goes with it is part of her brilliance. So for example, she's able to really handle several ideas at once. And she finds that if she naps for a while and then feels really relaxed, then she can bust out into a prolific flurry of content creation because it just feels like the right time. And that's how her brain works. When she allows it to be creative when it wants to be, it's like massively creative. So she started to realize that 
just allowing her ADHD brain to be celebrated for the way it works and for her to accommodate that, she is one of the most prolific, productive coaches that I know. And what she taught us was she gave us permission to do what comes naturally for our brain. So her ADHD brain is, is one of her gifts. And the, she, the result of that is that she helps thousands of people. She's developed time management skills that could help people with ADHD brains. And I think quite frankly, other kinds of brains in every industry. So that thing that she thought was her weakness, once she celebrated it, became a strength. I have a former client who grappled with a physical illness that she definitely felt was broken and wrong about her. It severely limited the number of hours that she was able to work, that she had enough energy to even get out of bed. And at first, when we coached together, she focused a lot of her energy on really deep levels of shame and rage about all the things she couldn't do compared to other people and the things that she was missing on, out on doing. And just she really felt that she was broken, so much so that she tried to keep her illness a secret until she realized that her illness was helping her to learn to be wise in ways that might never have happened without her illness. So she developed a talent and a capacity for deep presence and for not resisting circumstances and for being able to find joy in the moment and ultimately, that's now what she focuses her practice on helping other people do. She created a business out of helping clients just be present in the moment and finding the joy where it can be found. And none of that would probably have occurred without this illness that she thought was making her broken. Or if as we're thinking about different types of brain, brains, one of the things I talk about a lot is I have a very anxious brain. I've had that all my life, even when I was five years old, they took me for medical tests because they didn't know what was wrong with me. I had so many stomach aches and it turned out that it was just anxiety. And I also have a very self-critical brain. And what I've been doing lately is instead of just working at the level of shifting my thoughts so I'm less anxious, which does help, but looking directly at my anxious brain and my self-critical brain and learning how to just love on it, appreciate it, appreciate what it's done for me. And what I notice is that a lot of my clients are attracted to me because they hear about the anxiety through my writings and they feel anxious too. They feel self-critical too. And when they hear me, they start realizing, oh, it's not just 
me. So it ends up being something that I'm skilled at that uh, another coach who hasn't experienced so much anxiety or self-criticism might not be able to relate to people. So when there's something about us that bothers us and then we start loving on it and not trying to hide it, it can be such a huge point of connection with other people. It's what allows other people to relate to us. So this morning I was just talking to another client. She's in her late fifties. I'm in my early sixties and we were talking about the job market and this whole thing about ageism. So for a number of women and men, uh, around this age in their 50s and 60s, there starts to be this feeling that the age, our age is a handicap in some way, that it's a piece of us that's wrong. It's something that we need to hide. We need to try to pretend to be younger and create a youthful vibe. But I think what we're missing as well and what society is missing is that there's this tremendous wisdom that is acquired through age. And that's why in many other cultures, the elders are honored and revered. And I, I know I was at a professional services firm where on the partner end of things, the standard retirement age was between 58 and 60 and was compulsory. And you know, those structures are set up uh, because of partnership dynamics and other economic requirements. But what we found was that the forced retirement of people at that age meant that we were losing this irreplaceable wisdom that could only be earned through the, through the years. So, you know, there's this huge dynamic of that's a, happens from having different ages together and uh, a wisdom and strength in the age that is lost. And so those of us who are older, we can look at ourselves and say, well, you know, our youth is gone and I wish I was younger. Or we can look at ourselves and say, oh, I have so much value to add to any group I'm in because of this, all the life experiences I've had, all of just the quantity of stuff I've had, the number of experiences. So again, something that we could look at ourselves and say, well, that's something I'm ashamed of. That's something that's broken and saying, no, 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 that's, that's one of the biggest gifts that I have to offer. So I think the things that we find most challenging about ourselves can be our greatest gifts. I want you to also notice and think about like the people that are our cultural heroes. So often people that are heroes are become heroes because of some, some hurdle that they've overcome, something about them that is broken or they feel is broken that they've transformed into a strength. I'm Canadian. So I'm thinking of a big Canadian hero, Terry Fox, who was a young man who I think he was around 18 when he lost his leg to cancer. He had an artificial leg. And when he was in the hospital and 
you know, in the course of his amputation, all that stuff, he heard so many other people crying in pain and frustration in their disabilities and suffering from their cancer. And he decided he wanted to raise money for cancer. And at age 22, he began what he called the marathon of hope. He decided he was going to run across Canada, Canada to change people's minds about the disabled and what they could do and to raise funds for cancer. And so every day for 143 days, Terry ran close to a marathon with his wooden leg. And at around mile 3,339, he started to cough a lot. It turned out the cancer had spread to his lungs and he had to not complete his mission. But during the several days, 143 days he had run, crowds would come out and cheer him on. And he created such an awareness and such a sense of hope and possibility for disabled people. And he raised $3.5 million even by then. And he did pass away eventually, but his legacy lived on this, his, his brokenness was his biggest gift. And since his run, which took place in 1980, the annual Terry Fox run, which now happens not only in Canada, but in other countries around the world, has raised more than $800 million based on the latest material I saw. Terry's story is always, is always so, so emotional for me. I, whenever I really think about what he's done, I'll feel the tears well up because I think stories like his are so appealing because we have hope that maybe we're all right in our brokenness. The broken pieces of us might in fact be our superpower. So the parts of us that feel broken are so often exactly what allow other people to feel connected to us. That's why things like what I call bro marketing by that, I think it's, I don't know if it's a term out there. It's a term that my son and I used to look at certain YouTube advertisements, guys with Ferraris in front of their rented mansions who are trying to pretend to have perfect lives. For so many of us on the receiving end of that, it just is so alienating. We all as human beings want to find other people who are not perfect, to know that we're all right in our brokenness. And it helps us relate to each other so much better. So why do we all try to hide it so hard? So Savvy Souls, what I would like you to do over the next week is have a really introspective look at yourself. What things do you feel shame about? What do you try to hide? What things do you think are wrong about how your brain works, how your body works, how you approach things, you know, your demographics, your anything about you that you're believing is broken or wrong with you. And then ask yourself, wait a minute, like what opportunities have I had in life that have only happened because of these things? In what way has my life even been better 
as a result of me having this condition or being this way? How could this piece of me that feels broken or I think is wrong actually serve me? How does this help me relate better to other people, have more compassion, provide different insights? How does this allow me to see things differently? What have I learned from this that could be of value to somebody else? For me, what I've been realizing is that I want to live all of my life and embrace all the pieces of me not just try to find those things that other people would think are strengths, but to experience all of me and define it all as worthy and good and valuable. I wanna experience all of life, the good and the bad, the successes and the failures, the celebrations and the shame, the happy moments and the sad moments, and to have so much kindness and compassion and love for me, for all of me, as I navigate my journey. And this is what I won't want most of all for you savvy souls. I want for you to have a fully lived experience of life. I hope you found this useful and I hope it, you found it healing in some way. And if you did and you know somebody else who's suffering with doubt and fear and shame about some area of their life, some way of being, something they think is wrong with themselves, please do share this episode with them. Hopefully it will give them some hope too. Love you guys and see you next week. Bye. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.